Welcome to 90 or Nothing Podcast with host Paxton Pulford and Kylie Barnett. Well guys, it's good to have you all back listening to us and we hope everything's going well with you all, staying safe, riding plenty of horses or maybe spending a little bit more time on the internet and buying a few more things online. I know I've certainly been doing that. But uh, this week we've got a great interview lined up. We managed to do a Skype call with Zane Haberman, who's from central Queensland up there near Springshaw. We had Kylie on the line and her partner Ben Tapp, so we had a great conversation and just a little bit of background, but Zane is behind the idea of the COVID camp drafting. He he thought it up one day, and for those of you who are not familiar with COVID camp drafting, basically what it is is there's a series of events, and essentially you have the opportunity to video yourself at home doing a camp draft, send it in, and it'll be judged, and it'll all be up on Facebook and around the view so just a bit of fun i think it's a great initiative good on the guys for doing that i reckon it'll be a whole heap of fun and i'm sure looking forward to seeing all the videos well guys we'll just jump straight on in with this interview and a big thank you to our great sponsors camp draft training online and select size this interview has been proudly brought to you by camp draft training online make sure you duck over to their website www.teamcto.com.au and subscribe to get all the latest training videos from some of Australia's greatest camp draft trainers. These guys will seriously make a difference in your program. So remember guys, when sparing and jerking just ain't working, jump on www.teamcto.com.au. Well, welcome guys. It's good to have you all. We've got Zane Haberman on the line and Kylie has joined us as well as her partner, Ben Tapp. So we've got a big Skype call going on. Uh, how's it all going, guys? Yeah, all good up now, Ian, right? Uh, at the minute, actually quite enjoying this isolation. <laughs> yeah, a bit of time off and seemed like a catching up. So enjoying it at the minute, or we are, I think, anyway. So. Yeah, how about you, Zane? Y- yeah, it's good, Paxton. Um, not much has changed for us here. We're just... Not going anywhere, obviously, but um, still going to work and, um, yeah, just day-to-day life on the place and um, kids all our trouble. We're doing homeschool with Rose and Kerry's the teacher, no doubt. <laughs> She'll have good days and bad days, but um, Rose is pretty good. Yes. So, um, Back on that zone with your day-to-day life, with your flying and all that at the minute, like... I'd assume that's obviously an essential service. Are you, there no sort of restrictions with the mustering and all that happening up north? No, we're um, we're still going to work every day, Ben. Still two machines flying in and out. Um, with our bigger company places, they are in so-called lockdown. Um, no one's in or out of those places except for truck drivers, helicopter pilots and the mailman. So everyone's... If they, they're welcome to leave, but they sort of need to isolate to be able to come back. Um, we just we still go there every day, but we just don't come into contact with them. And, um, yeah, obviously you can talk to them on the two-way and everything. So, yeah, we're, we're business as usual, mate, but just a few restrictions on what we do. Yeah. 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 Zane, Zane, you're from uh, North Queensland near Springshaw. Is that is that right? Yeah, central Queensland, mate, yep. Yeah, fair enough. And, um, yeah, I mean, obviously with everything stopped and everyone's pulled up at the minute, you guys have created a pretty pretty cool idea called COVID camp drafting. Um, who was the mind behind that and where did that all come from? Well, um, I come home from flying one day and told Kerry I was going to uh, do internet, uh, Facebook camp drafting, going to create it. And we all send a video in and all go camp drafting. And um, she told me I have far too much time to sit there and think all day in the helicopter. And that was a crazy idea. And I don't know how you're going to get that to work. <laughs> but um, And that was just before lockdown. And I was in Emerald doing a few jobs and run into a couple of fellas there and mentioned it to him. And and they said, yeah, no, you go for it. Sounds like a good idea. So, um, yeah, we all put our heads together and come up with a bit of an idea and see how it goes, I suppose. Yeah. Who else is part of the COVID team? Like, who's um who's the brains and, and source behind it all? <laughs> uh, Renee Abbott, she's doing all the um, admin. She's she's really good. So I've got no idea how to 
do all the Facebook pages. I'm guilty of annoying a few people on Facebook, but I got no <laughs> no idea of how um of how to settle that up. So she's been good. She's you know all the admin stuff. She's doing that and sponsorship. She's handling that and Kerry's helping her on and off. And um, also Georgina Sinclair from Select Size. She's been a big help too for setting up the page and and giving advice. Had a few phone calls to her and. So, yeah, um, some of the Condon girls from up north Queensland, they've put chipped in, helped out a bit, you know. So it's been a team effort, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, it's a good initiative. So talk us through a bit about what are the classes that, like, what sections has each individual can enter in and whatnot? Um, I think we set it up. So for a start, we're going to run a kids one. I think it's 13 years and under, just like a normal draft, like a kid's cattlemanship or horsemanship thing um, same as a draft but just worded a little different um so yeah they can use a full arena or if you don't have an arena you can make do with what you have just so everyone can have a go um and then we've got a maturity like up here we run maturity drafts for under five horses and um so we've created a thing where you can you know if you don't have an, an arena you can just cut one out in the yard and open a gate or cut him out in the corner of a the cool or something and, and do your course um obviously some people have got a good setup some people don't so it's going to be you know controversial as how to judge who's won it and all the rest but it's for fun so we'll um see how we go with it and there's also a novice um you know we thought everyone's got a maiden horse and someone may still be riding some um, younger novice horses so it's open for them to go in that and same thing just the bushman's one and then the, and then the professional one where you have the arena and i think we've also got a cutout so you can you know if you've only got a yard and you don't want to chase one you can just submit your cutout video and so yeah we've got someone sponsored every event i think most of them to third place and so yeah it's been when did it's been start? time consuming it is ah i think the 29th ben through to the first um, and and how long did it run for Three days, I think you've got to submit your videos, Ben. Um, there isn't pro- Renee put a program on the page, so it's it's all on there. Um, I've been busy today, so I haven't had time to do my homework and research it today. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's all on the it's all there on the COVID camp drafting page. If anyone needs the information or whatever. So, if I can ask, Dane, just my understanding, it's like a facebook page yes and you just anybody out there can go and video themselves put it up unload it onto this facebook page and then somebody judges the run that that's correct that's correct yep from my understanding i don't know how it all works but i think there'll be a group created or a link created on the page and you send your video to that um and then we um mark bogan is our judge so he'll um He'll be put in as admin and then he can view all the videos and it'll just be the same. He'll only view each video once and we ask that all the videos are, are videoed from where the judge would sit. Um, uh, you, you and Sam will have to get back in his good books again, won't you? <laughs> and, and Bill Bright. <laughs> we will, we will. <laughs> yeah, uh, Billy Bright might be able to give us some advice on uh, how to, on how we should be judging the degree of difficulty and so forth. I appeal, I appeal. I appeal, yeah, plenty of I appeal there. <laughs> well, I did notice, Zane, that you um that one of the description is that there's going to be no comments allowed on the videos. Yeah, that's correct. We don't want to get any more controversial like, like we've seen in the past on a few um, on a few things that have been put on Facebook. You know, we're trying to stick clear of that for this one. Not yeah. not going to put any of your gifts up. Your no, little... no, no, not allowed to comment gifts. No, the no, 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 none of that either. <laughs> no, yeah, no I... nonsense going on. <laughs> I, I hear you're the gift man, Zabe. Oh, so they say. <laughs> No, it's very good. I think it's a great initiative, and um, I think um, yeah, congratulations to you guys. I think it's going to be really good. I'm, I'm really keen to see everyone put up their runs, and I just think it's a really good thing to everyone do, and it'll be a good bunch of fun. Yeah, yeah, see how we go. A bit of fun while we're all sitting at home and can't go anywhere. Keep everyone interested and whatever. Yeah. 
Any prize money at the end, or is it just all a lie? I don't, I don't know yet, Ben. Um, we'll just yeah. have to see how we go. But we've got plenty of sponsorship, like people still coming forward every day. So, um, yeah. you know, we've got sponsorship on the program, but there'll be more sponsorship added as we go along. I think Renee said she's just going to keep a, a running a running post of, of um, sponsorship coming in, and that you know they'll all get a bit of bit of a spin on the page every day and. Yeah. back in the bush of cutting out cattle and all that and then here we are today you know sitting on a computer analyzing or like it's it's uh, just sort of seems a bit far out doesn't it hey how, how it's evolving it does it does yeah. ben yeah yeah no, it's certainly certainly different to what it was 20 years ago even you know when, you know, when i was a kid so yeah Yeah, yeah well, like I, I think it's heading in a good place for the time what we are all locked down. But I just, you know, like old Slim Dusty song, them old drovers, you know, you imagine <laughs> them fellas today, eh? you're telling them, oh, we're doing a little video of ourselves and we send it over <laughs> here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they'd just shake their head, wouldn't they? <laughs> they would, they would, Ben. And I imagine there'd be a few old fellas still shaking their head out of their head about it today. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sure there's a few words coming out of them as well that we can't repeat on radio. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that, what's your guys' thoughts? You know, camp drafting has evolved and so many people are joining up now. You know, how are we going to keep up with this influx of people coming in? What are we going to, what do you think needs to happen for us to be able to keep developing and growing as a sport? Uh, I'll let you answer that one, Ben. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, me, yeah, like I wasn't sort of prepared for that question either, but I, I think. Um, Numbers at the moment are controlling it a bit, you know, how many rides you can have. And I think definitely trying to bring your horses to riding in their classes. And I think areas should be considered myself, like, you know, say Springshore is definitely, you know, most people within 100, 150K radius, they get the priority, you know, so your local draft you actually definitely get into. But there's lots of options. But um, it's not easy. It's not an easy fix because, you know, there's the members who have got sort of 20 horses and they pay in their fees and they think they're probably entitled to more than the weekend bloke is on. You know, so there's a lot of that banter going on. But I mm. think ultimately, as we're doing, we're getting around at the six, eight horse run a weekend, you know, two in each draft sort of situation. I think that's, that's going to control it. A fair bit. I don't think we're ever going to get to the place where it's perfect, you know, and everyone's going to be happy. And my philosophy out of life, anyway, I think if you can get sort of 70, 80% of your people on side, that's about as best you're going to get. I think I think that's pretty right. Um, in the perfect world, it right, you know, in a good season, there's a draft on or two or three drafts on every weekend. I think the dry weather sort of You know, as we've seen the last few years, we've had a lot of people stack up all wanting all wanting to go to the same draft because they've been limited. But the better the season, the more drafts, the more people you'll fit in with, with you know, and we're obviously going to have to limit runs and horses into their categories, as you said. I, I think that's, you know, we're just going to have to do the best we can. Yeah. Um, as far as all that goes, I think, yeah. That's, um... on, on that, my thing to you, Zane, without... Do you think or have any great thoughts on where camp drafting or something we should be heading to or doing more to make it more appealing? Anything in specific or do you think we're sort of poking along in a in a fairly good shape? I think it's going good, Ben, in the right direction. Um, I think that the top end of top end camp drafting, you know, like we go to Warwick and Wollinger and There's a whole lot of money tied up in us all getting there and rigs and horses and 
you know, it costs us time as money when you when you're trying to run a place and you're away for a week or two weeks, three weeks on end and you know, you know, we've seen we've seen um, you know, the super series, it was it was good prize money, Willinga's great, Warwick's great, Condomine, you know, there's plenty of plenty of drafts like that where there's plenty of money. I would like to see it, you know, and some people will argue that you're only looking after the top end of it, but the top end of it is where there's a lot of money spent on it and, and it'd be good to see a lot more drafts with a lot more reward at the end, you know, monetary value sort of. That's that's what I think, you know, we all go to Landmark and it's our choice to go there and buy a horse for 20, 30, 40, 60,000, whatever. Um, and we're all driving around an $100,000 truck and $200,000 trailer. But at the end of the day, you know, if we want to get it on the worldwide stage, we need people like that. And to be able to do that, it'd be good to good to see some some more monetary reward at the other end. I think, yeah. yeah. But we're, it's come a long way, and, and it's evolving in the right direction. I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think most leaders in all the committees are doing a good job at it. You know, there's always hurdles going to be jumped forever after. It doesn't matter what sport or what are you in. But I agree with you. I sort of like to see money in the camp draft game and in saying that I wouldn't like to ignore you know people call them ground roots or weekend camp drafters you know that's there's one theory we're talking about how you fit people in but there's one two maybe these committees ABCR and ACA could run particular weekends without points you know so to sort of cater for the weekend here not so serious competitors as well you know and then let the serious blokes go and do on and what they want to do, but also don't, yeah, don't tread on the smaller fellas. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I'd never considered that, but uh, yeah, I think that'd work. Yeah. That, um, you know, that'd, yeah. that'd certainly open a few windows for, for the fellas that just do the weekend shows, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a good idea. Well, um, you guys obviously go back in history a bit together. When did you, uh, Ben and Zane, when did you guys actually meet? Um, my recollection of it is sort of I went down to Paradise of Gloom and I saw the sharpest, smartest horse I'd seen in my life. And I thought, who's this lucky bath? Whoops, who's this lucky bloke riding? Anyway, yeah, it was Zane on his chestnut mare and I swept. Like the beautiful anyway, that's where I think I think that's about right, isn't it, Zane? Up at Paradise Lagoon there, probably what, ten or twelve years ago, something like that. And yeah. um Yeah, so sort of and just like everything, you know, every now and then you catch up all the time and everything. <clears throat> but um yeah, she was a real eye opener that me and sadly Zane lost her just she still had a life ahead of her down in a breeding season, but Zane, and I think everyone knows he's up there in the top elite part of the camp draft and things, so you always see him at the, at the big shows, and he's always in the prize money somewhere, so, and the other thing about him, he lets you know, you know, Lucky. <laughs> 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 no, I'm only joking there. No. Yeah, no, but Zane, tell us a little bit about um, Swift, I, I know... Um... Ben, when I did first meet you, I must admit, you were probably at the bar being a bit of a pest and Ben's like, oh, yeah, but he had this real good mare and I've, and um, ever since he sort of said about Miss Swift and and then I've seen um, what I think must be the progeny out of her with similar names. Just tell us about the original mare and, and her breeding and, and what she was to you. Yeah, I think uh, when I first met you, Kylie, was at Nebo Finals and I kept yep. saying, and how did a bloke like you wheel a girl like that? <laughs> 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 and, um, uh, but, yeah, anyway, on the horse. Um, yeah. You're not allowed to say what I said to you. <laughs> 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 uh, but, um, yeah, that man, her mother um, used to ride her in a juvenile. She belonged to my parents. I had a bunch of juveniles on her and, and um, anyway, she got retired to the broodmare paddock and, and uh, I'd left home by then and I was at home helping a muster or something and she was running around the paddock, little droughted looking foal, weanling filly. And anyway, I said I'd like to buy that 
May, um, Swift Mace, and I bought her off him. And um, yeah, she was always a little weedy thing, and got her going, and and um, yeah, went from there. She's always she started out good. Um, yeah, I think I won a novice on her when she was four or five or something. She done a bit of time on the road. I had her on the road for I think twelve, eighteen months, and um, I started going out with Carrie and. Went to Paradise, got a lift down to Paradise with Ben and Jay for a few horses. Actually, I was at Winton on the road and took her down there and, and give her a give her a start at Paradise there and, and uh Carrie took her off me there. She said, uh, you're not allowed to take that man back to work anymore. So from there she lived at Carrie's place and um never went to work again. But probably the best thing for her would have only wrecked her, but yeah. And then um and then I ended up I had a couple of sisters too and I bought some more sisters off my parents and Bred out of them, and um, that's where Cat Swift and she's out of a half sister, and Mississippi Swift's out of a out of a full sister, and um, there's been others as well. I've got a few other younger ones. Um, I got Miss Swift, the creamy mare. She was out of she was out of another half sister, and I've got ones out of her and foals out of them. And so yeah, they just it's one mare line that I've had a bit of success with, and. So I just keep breeding from the mares, you know, and um, I've got an acres cult that I've kept out of out of Swift Miss, out of the Good Chestnut mare. So um, started him last year, second in a maturity, second in a novice on him. Um, so yeah, and I've got a few more young ones to break in and get going out of the same line. So that's where they've all started from, yeah. Yeah, well, there's definitely been a line of horse that you've um, obviously been successful with and you came down to the Nutrien Classic this year and you put up a couple of big scores. Uh, Cat Swift out of 90 and tell us, run us through um, the Nutrien with your Swift horses and then and then your Landmark Classic uh, Paturity horse. Um, yeah, so... I'd been trying to get them ready to go down there, meet two mares for the open, and didn't have a lot of time to ride them. I had three or four rides since Warwick before I went down there. And, um, so yeah, I got a run a couple of 90s in the first round on them, on both of them, and um, I mean 91s actually, two 91s, and then I ran a 90 in the second round on Cat Swift and blew out on blew out on Mississippi Swift, and then in the final. Uh, Picked a tough one and straight across the ring in the final on Cat Swift. But anyway, Troy Palmer's still digging at me about it. I missed the gate. So oh, couldn't couldn't imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> so it reminds me of that nearly every week. But um, And, yeah, and then I, I had um, had a horse for um, for the Classic. Um, he was brought there last year by some friends of ours, John and Shannon Gore. Um, we've known them forever. Anyway, they asked me if I want to take this horse down there, and so I said, yeah, right, I'll pick him up at Dingo Roadhouse, I think, and um, brought him back here, and Shannon said to me, she said, uh, with my half, we split split the money down the mill, she said, with my half, I want to buy a swimming pool, and uh, I said, right, I so I got the horse homey and rode him a couple of times, and I rang her up, and I said, you better, um, you better decide what swimming pool you want, I said, this is a very good horse, and he's good enough to win it. So I went down there with him, and um, um, I went to Brett Peachy's actually on the way. It was too wet here to ride a horse, so I called in the Peachy's on the way down there for four or five days, and Leachy turned up there, and we all worked a few goats and in the indoor arena and something a bit different. And, yeah, yeah what, what were they like to work? Yeah, good. Yeah, right. <laughs> Plenty of them. Um, they were good, so um, too dry for cattle there. They're too poor, so we just chased goats around for a few days. <laughs> and um, gets them a bit sharp. I, I like working actually. And uh, so yeah, I went from there down to Landmark, and um, I started off with you know, two bigger scores at the start on him. But yeah, he got better and better every day, every night we run him. He just got better and better, and um, yeah, end up winning the winning the gelding incentive and um, second in the second in the classic on him. So yeah. Um, no, he's a good horse. He's a good boy. I really like him. That was a strange couple of weeks, eh? Chasing goats one weekend and then down chasing buffaloes. In the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything back out there for a while. <laughs> hey, what about um, 
Yeah, you so, go, Paxton. Oh, I was just going to say, um, what about that uh, metallic cat Colt you brought down, Zane? What are you? Ah, uh, yeah. 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 Um, if it, yeah, the only reason I decided to sell him was he was a cult. I've already got one here, but um, if he was a filly, I wouldn't sell him for quids. But anyway, we took him down there and passed him in, and uh, a few fellas rang me up after the sale, wanting to buy him, and, you know, one fellow didn't have the money at the time, and other ones sort of trying to negotiate. But anyway, we've still got him here. Um, I just put him in the paddock. He's probably pretty well advanced for a two-year-old, so I'll leave him in the paddock till the end of the year now. And, um go from there i'll probably do the futurity series on him up here or something um i may still sell him down the track i'm not too sure but he's definitely good enough to keep so um not yeah. too sure how i look on a creamy creamy cult but anyway he's he's good <laughs> enough to, to to um see how he goes with i think so i'll give him a give him a try yeah uh, fair enough what about your decision to breed to metallic cat like are you sort of are you under the opinion of just a good horse is a good horse or you're a stock horse or quarter horse man? Talk, what sort of thing about that? Oh, no, I reckon if they're a good horse, they're a good horse. Doesn't matter what they buy out of. Um, obviously, breeding helps. You know, the depth of breeding on the mare line's a big thing, I think. And you'll find, you know, if you research all the good sides, are all out of good mares, I think. So, um, you know, there's probably a few good cults around, stones around, but I think if, you know, if they're not out of a good mare and the mare lines don't go back, I don't know how well they'll breed on. But um, I think anyone who studies it sort of probably has the same. And we bred quite a few to Metallic Cat. Um, I've got another mare here that should have been futurity now. Um, but there's no drafts on, so we can't. Um, but I like her, and a few people said, oh, they won't chase cattle, and, and um, the ones I've ridden, I've found that they, they really do. Um, so, yeah, we've got her. She's out of Kerry's Bay Man Mentos open there, and got another one here ready to break in out of a Conman mare. Um, and I think we bred another one. Yeah, we've got another one out of a... Um, Grey mare, Kerry Drafts, called Bluey and Open Mare. There's a cold out of her. Um, he's out of Kerry's parents at the moment. So, yeah, we've still got a couple to break in. Got two broken in and two to go. So, see how they go. What's your oldest one, Zane? Uh, the oldest one, she'll be, she'll be four now. Like, um, yeah. yeah she's you you competed compete her yet? Oh, uh, we give her a few starts as a three-year-old in the maturities. Um, yeah just to, you know, expose her to it, get her out there. But, you know, she wasn't competition ready, but we just card her along. Give That's a good thing about the maturities. You can just poke them along and, and yeah. um, they're always, you know, they're better next year. So, but, yeah, she would be going now. She'd be, she'd be, a, you know, in the, nominated in the Superstar, in the, sorry, in the Future Stars series for the, for the maturity, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah hard and high. Regard for her in the future. I think she yeah, will be tough. Like yeah, yeah, she's got good nature. Um, can't stir her up. She's she's probably quiet enough for Rose to ride down the track a bit. So yeah, we'll keep her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously, uh, you two have both bred to size over in the states. Talk to us a little bit about your opinions, both of you, about you know what sort of horses over in the states are you looking to breed to like i know some people frown upon it over here and um you know a lot of people think it's the next best thing what is where do you guys sort of stand um yeah well i, I they definitely you know we've been brought up with quarter horse and i love my stock horse as well but from kids um the old fellow bought quarter horses into our life really early back in the late 60s from king ranch and they had the original King Ranch bloodlines. And we crossed them with old Tharabed, half Brumby mares at Clarney. And they turned out to be brilliant stock horses, you know. So I'm sort of a little bit got the quarter horse in me. And I think what they bring, like everything, though, they've got to bring the confirmation as well. But I definitely believe they put cow in your horse. But there's a little bit of a side at the minute, American quarter horses starting to get a bit small, you know, and their feet and their foundations are starting to go on them. So I'm a little bit more reluctant. I bought a good metallic cat stallion myself out of a One More Romance daughter, 
but he was a strong horse. You could see the con man influence in him. You know, he had strong legs and big hooves and all that. But so now, look, oh, you know, the horse, even here in Australia, there's just tons and tons of good blood. Eh? It's now, I think, an individual thing to sort of select that horse that fits your temperament or your likings, you know what I mean? And one I, what I might like, Zane, not necessarily like, or yourself, Paxton or Kylie, but so I'm not sure if that answered it for you, Paxton. I like the American court horse to bring and put a bit of oomph, I call it, into your horses, but we definitely still have to have that thoroughbred stock horsey length and range, you know, for camp drafting, you know, because... Yeah, they are starting to get a bit small and weak around the foundations, the American quarter horses, you know. Yeah. What about you, Zan? Yeah, Paxton, I agree with Ben. I think size has got to come into it a bit. And, um, you know, the structural foundation of them a bit, I think you've got to keep a bit of bone and a bit of size into them, um, which I think crossing – you know, the horse that we developed over here with the horses over there seems to be working as long as you're a little bit selective about what you do. Um, you know, it doesn't seem to worry them in America. Like, look at Metallic Cat. He only comes up to the armpits and he's won everything inside a horse that's won everything. You know, they're just they're the best ones over there probably. Um, and I, th- I think, you know, we've, we've bred them to, like, first cross mares or stock horse mares over here. Um, um so, yeah, we haven't bred them to, to straight quarter horse mares. Um, and we've still got, you know, we've come out with the size and size and a bit of bone and um, it seems to be working. We've bred to other American horses too. Um, and so far, I think if you're selective about what you breed to them, you, um, you've probably come out the other end all right, breed something that, that's suitable for our sport. And I think, I think it's, you know... I think they've got a lot to offer as far as, you know, to win a draft nowadays, you need to be you need to be coming out 23, 24 in the yard. You can't be coming out 20, 21 on the old wheeling about stock horse. Um, I think you need one that's got a bit of cow and they want to stop on their ends and and um, and and just yeah, I think it's a big thing to to have a bit of that in them. Um, it's uh-huh. you know the results are in. You can see the results. Everyone. Runs going that way, and the whole game is lifted. You know, like um, camp drafting's come that far in the last 15 years. Of, you know, when it ever does rain, you often sit back and watch some videos that I've got of, you know, when we were kids, and you just you look out and shake your head and you go, wow, thank God, sports come a long way. You know, um, yeah. So yeah, and it's definitely for the better. I think so. I think the I think what you need to is is doing the sport a lot of good. The horses are getting better, and the sport's becoming better through the through the better horses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Back to what you said earlier, eh? it's just a good horse is a good horse. Eh? You just got to admire the horse and don't get too drawn into that argument of what breed it is. Eh? You know, if it does the job, it does the job. I think so, Ben. I think nowadays there's that many well-bred horses around. I think you have to. If you're going to sit at Landmark and buy all nutrient now, sit there and buy a horse, you know, there's probably six horses on that page, eight horses, whatever, you know, and 80% of them are well-bred. But I, I think you've actually got to look at the horse in front of you in the ring and look at the performance, on, you know, on, on my, in my book, on preferably on the damn side. Like horses out of well-bred, well-performed mares nowadays are making the money and, and – um, but you still look at the horse in front of you. Um, you you need to you need him to be the right shape, not square in the front, short in the neck, and long in the back. Like he's got to be correct and be able to do the job. I think yeah. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Well, obviously, um, the introduction of frozen semen from the states has been a a massive kick to us over here. But, um, you know, do you still think there's room for those imported sires? Like, you know, previously we saw the Tamarang Stallions from Richard Bull, you know, with Freckle Oak and Acres. Do you still think there's sort of room for that sort of so, that sort of market to happen these days? Or do you think we're sort of so focused on frozen semen and looking over across the sea? Oh, no, I think definitely, um, like, Bully imported those stallions over here and... and um, 
you've got to give credit where credit's due. The man's got a good eye for a horse. Like, he's only imported a handful of them, and they've all been good, you know? Um, and they've all bred on, like, Freckles Oak. Nowadays, if you can find a Freckles Oak mare to breed out of, like, we've, we've had six or eight of them here and, and had good success with them, you know? Um, and and look at what Acres has done to the camp draft deal. Like, um, you know, they never drafted him over here. I think they've done a little bit of cutting on him, but... <clears throat> um, yeah, I think um, I think there's still room to import them. Whether they will import the, the top end of the horses uh, from America over to here, they probably won't. Now that you can get their semen, um, back when Bully imported those horses, frozen semen was probably limited or, or was hard to get it uh, harder to get it over here. Um, so yeah, it probably takes the need away to import the horse if you can import that import the semen and over there there's you know there's more money there's more incentive it's it's a richer game the cutting game over there so we may not see those good stains come over as much anymore they may stay there and we just breed to them here yeah i think also though when you talk about this tire that in australia back you know like richard bull and back go back to king ranty days it's not that Today, I think it's just um, there's so many good horses, you know what I mean? And I think it's really going to be highly unlikely you'll see those stallions in them area again where they get 200 and 250 mares and service fees of $6,000 because your pool now and your genetics are so much bigger, like you say, because you can go over and get semen overseas off really good horses. But even in Australia, there's really bad... And the competition, I suppose, is the word in sires now is strong, you know, like Conman's still getting around at these $6,000. But I think personally, I think they're going to get harder and harder and less and less because you sort of had, um, back then, they were unique and extra, you know, quality. But the quality of horses today is starting to, everybody's really catching up, you know, there's nothing mile out in front of anything anymore so that will just pure competition will just keep that uh, you know that horse that's really everybody used like acres of um destiny you know he's probably the last he, he did his job and everybody sort of got him and now yeah you, you know what i mean like i think the competition in the bread side Everybody seems to have a pretty good stallion. So unless you're going to have something really unique, um, it's going to be hard to sort of replicate what Freckles Oak did or Acres or... There's a little bit of a room, I think, at the minute, probably in the stock horse side, because they seem to be pretty flat with, you know, an outstanding stallion in that in that area. There's probably a room for a, sort of another super side that comes through in there. But in the quarter horse... Yeah, I, I just sort of really can't see anything. You know, when I say super, I mean just five, six thousand dollars service fee and two hundred mares. I can see stallions getting fifty or sixty mares for two or three grand. You know, but that extra above horse, no, yeah, not now with with all that breeding now. You know, you can get those best genetics in the states, probably three thousand dollars American, fly them over all the. Breeding now, as you know, embryoing and storage and all that's so much easier. Such a higher percentage of success, you know. So people will just opt to do that instead, eh? Yeah. I think you're right, Ben. Um, I think there's room for the next super side to come along in the stock horse world. Like we haven't really seen one come along since Conman and Con. You know, Conman's probably one of the greatest ones you'd ever watch. Um, I think. I think, however, that, you know, he's old and they don't compete him anymore. There's room for another one of those, for another one of those horses to come along. But like you say, in the quarter horse world, it's it's pretty flooded. Um, yeah, I don't follow the cutting game over there that much. Talked to a few blokes about it, but, um, yeah, I just, I think for our game over here, um, there's definitely room for, a, for another con man or, so to speak, to come along, I think. And there's probably a few horses that are, you know, that are up and coming that are bred well enough to do it. 
and have a good damn line and all the rest. They just they need to be marketed right and exposed right and competed on right and win the yeah. right things. Nowadays, there's that many camp drafts to go to, and while they're young, I think getting the runs on the board. But after that, once you've got the horse that and he can win, I think it's to the point over here now where you nearly need to be selective as to where you take them to expose them right, I think. Yeah. It's probably going to be the trick to get him to, get him to the top, you know, if he's yeah. the right horse, that is. And that thing to win today that gives him the exposure, that's the thing that's getting so much harder, eh? You know, I was just discussing this with a woman who wants to write a story on cool dust, and I don't mean to take over. She's a pretty exceptional mayor, I think we all agree. And she probably got up to winning, you know, 60-odd open draft. I say that, I didn't count them. But if we were starting her again today, I don't think you'd get anywhere near that. You know, you'd be lucky. I think a good horse today will probably come out. If you retire and with probably 15 wins or 20, you're going to be doing an exceptional job, eh? You know, because the competition is so much higher, just to person, the competitors, the riders, and then this horse. So to get something that dominates or have those, I just think they're all, you know, like say winks in racing, they're just once every three lifetime sort of horses, you know what I mean, that do that. But this where, this is sort of going right back to Conman, where Conman came through. He was not only well-bred, good confirmation, but he arguably probably had the best jockey in the country on top of him. You know, and you've got to have all those ingredients to put this horse in the limelight, eh? You know, so some might have him bred and everything, but just never took him to the show, haven't got the right rider on board, so they don't get this exposure, you know? So it, it's a fair bit, I think, I'm saying, it's a fair bit involved to actually get this, you know, super horse stallion up and showing. It's not only going to have the breed and the confirmation, he's now going to have that big line of results that go with it. I think you're dead right, Ben. Um, you know, would would um, the high-profile horses be the horses that they are today had they had, you know, not the rider on them that they've had, you know? Like, we see all the good combinations of riders and, and the horse clicks with that rider and, you know, is the rider lucky to have that horse or is the horse lucky to have that rider? Um, yeah. I think once there's a trust game between a combination... And they and they get they get to the point where they're confident in each other and they can win and and um, I think that's where the, the great ones shine you know would Conman have been have been the horse he is if say there was like me or you or the next Joe Blow on him if Terry Orwood yeah. not would yeah. he have been the horse that he is um, um, and you know I've seen I've seen other horses I've I've seen a mare up here um, an Acres mare. Um, and and she she came from the cutting pen and she was as good as mares I've ever seen. Like she could cut one out in the front panel all day long and chase one like as good as mare, beautiful mare. Um, the mare never went too many drafts every year, um, never won a lot. Um, had that mare been in, in in great in good hands and exposed to the right things, she would have been a household name. You know, like she would yeah. have won. She could have won Warwick. She would have won everything. Like. She's as, in my book, she's as good as Mounds have ever seen, but she just never got the chance. So, how many horses are around Ben that um, that get to that that are capable of doing that that never get the chance, you know? And, and we see a lot of horses that get the chance and have a great rider on them um, and get the exposure, but at the end of the day, are, are they really the real deal? You know, there's there's a lot of horses that get around and win a lot and. And you watch them and, and, and you think, oh, you're a good, that's a good horse, but you're probably not in the top 10, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. And it's not always the best horse that wins every weekend. So, yeah. But that's camp rafting, isn't it? Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> that's it, eh? Mobs and mobs of ingredients in there to get the result. But they're the old saying and the thing, the cream rises to the top eventually, though, eh? It does. They, they do come through. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to backtrack a little bit, guys, back to that sort of stallion thing. Um, you know, we've we've seen in the States and a little bit here in Australia with the introduction of AI, you can, you know, there's unlimited amounts of semen that you can put to mares. Um, 
you know, and especially, I mean, I haven't seen it in the States, but you can sort of see those lines are crossing over and the gene pool seems to be narrowing. Um, you know, I think we're lucky in Australia that we've got the stock horse line as well. But do you think that's something we'd have to be careful of in Australia here with this introduction of um, artificial insemination and, you know, crossing those lines? Are we going to be narrowing the gene pool too much? At the minute, um, I think our stockholders pool is too narrow. <laughs> it does need widening up, you know, like, and, yeah, like it needs a lot because it just sort of based to come from the thoroughbred across and just, you know, 25 or 30 years ago, the stockholders society formed and they put a few classifiers in and they just found a horse that had the good credentials and they branded him with a number A number A, alphabet A, and he was a registered stock horse, you know. So that's where they come from. And now they run the Stock Horse Society is, to me, a modelling coddling too much and mothballing. Now, oh, they all this is that, but that's what they are. They were a cross of anything and everything. And because they closed it, they did go, though, and I reopened it just shortly. But I think the pool in the Stock Horse is definitely too small. It needs opening up to more horses. And the American one, obviously, you know, I don't live over there, but, uh, like, they are, like, originally, if you go back and you look through all their pedigree, they go back to just uh, standout horses, you know, the Doccolini, the Pine, Mr. Sand Peppies, and, you know, that sort of bloodline, there are two or three back there, pretty well in every champion that's getting around today. So, but how to solve that? Um, no, I don't have that answer. You know, I don't think any quarters association doesn't want to bring an Arab or an Appaloosa or a, you know, into their pedigree. So I, I can't see them, them changing their views. Eh? So, but I think here in Australia, we should open our stock all side up to a bit more quarters in there. You know, and just just to get a bit because we're sort of back to really the you know the original Romeos the. And Abby come from him, but that line, the Rivoli raised, uh, you know, like you could go back and you could probably just name a handful of those stallions 20 years ago. That's that's really the basis of the bloodlines of the stock horse, really, eh? Mm. What about yeah. you, Zane? I think, I think that you're right, Ben. I think the, the stock horse thing's a bit narrow, the gin pool there. Um, I think the only benefit we've got is that we can cross that and we've all been doing it now for some time um we can cross that with the quarter horse deal and and get the first cross horse which seems to suit our game better but uh, yeah what you know how do you broaden it how do you how do you make how do you go and make that horse that that comes in and he's gonna he's gonna influx a whole stock horse society because like they're all you know, how do you find that one horse with a different breeding when we don't have the different breeding, you know, um, to widen the gene pool? But so sort of what we've got now is what probably what we've got to stick with a little bit. Um, not a professor, but, um, yeah, I think I think that it is a bit narrow, but the, the, the quarter horse influx is definitely breeding, breeding another line of horses, you know, like that. Um, you know, they've been around now for 20 years. Back in the day, I can remember when I was a kid and um, all the old fellas are like, oh, there's riding that quarter horse, big jogging thing, look at it, it's no good. And, and uh, you know, a lot of them old fellas didn't really like to cross over to it. But, you know, we can see it's in the, it's there now, like um, the runs are on the board. I think the crossing, the first cross horse is the way to go, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, definitely. No. But a camp draft game for sure. Yeah, for sure. So Zane, let's um let's delve into a bit of your sort of background and story. Um, where did you sort of grow up, and you know where did you come from? How did you become this man that comes down to Nutrient every year and runs nineties around all this New South Welshman? <laughs> First year I've been down there and run nineties around this year, but um, yeah, no, I grew up um, in the Mount Ferry area. Um, my parents still live there. They got place down there about 25,000 acres down there and um yeah I didn't like school much um 
and he went to school and I couldn't catch a horse, so I missed the school bus run, you know. But <laughs> but um, left school when I was fourteen and and uh, went to work. But um, so yeah, I left home pretty early age and um, worked here and there and everywhere and um, end up doing fair bit of driving for a while and contract mastering and um, yeah, Kerry and I we and we bought a bought, oh, I bought my first play sports and country off my parents when I was about 19 or 20 and had that for a little while and sold it and that sort of got me a bit of a start and um, you know went bought a few places along the way and um, I was about 25 or 26 got into got into flies at Charleville um, doing a job on a place there and got a bloke to come and do the flying and he offered me a job flying so once I finished that job I went down and done my license and got into that and um yeah so and that you know we ended up with four helicopters going all the time and um we end up we, oh, we bought and sold a few places and and got to where we are now at mostly hills here and um we've just we leased another one down down the road a bit and bought another little one the other day and um so yeah it got to the point where i was we, with the four helicopters we were so busy and um, Kerry put a foot down. She said, "You need to um, scale back." So we sold a bunch of them and just kept going with one. But this year, we thought it's good season, so we, we've got another one going now. And got a got a young fella working for us, and um, so yeah, we're back back running that and um, busy with the places and breeding all the horses and all the rest. So yeah, that's in a short story. That's how we got to where we are. On your without Kerry probably, but yeah. <laughs> on your cattle side, Zane, what are you, what are you chasing there in your breeds? Are you using anything in particular, or are you just uh, just a good big fat animal? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, we just sort of got Brahmin cross breeders, Ben. Um, you know, it'd be good to try and you know have a bit more flat back cattle, but for up here it gets pretty dry and need the Brahmin in a bender to um, get by in the droughts, I think. But we've just crossed a few black balls and droughty balls and black balls now, and we dabbled in the wagyu thing a bit, I think, a lot as a lot of other people did. But went away from that, tried it a bit, and it, it was good. We made a bit of money out of it while we were in it. But, um, yeah, everyone got into it and a bit of a glut in the market, so we opted to get out. And we just, you know, chase the feeder market now, get our steers to feed away and go from there. So, um, yeah be good to be able to fatten bullocks but they got to keep moving on so yeah fair enough what about zane on your horse side of things when did you get into horses have you always you know had a passion for them as a kid growing up yeah no, yeah i started riding when i was a little fella um i think he used to yeah it's probably five or six or something we started riding in the in the little mini drafts or juniors i think they were back then there's no minis but um yeah, always on the weekends be mustering or galloping a horse around or doing something stupid on them, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I've been driving. <clears throat> so yeah, yeah. Just. Well, so, a lot of people saw you down here at the New Train, like for the New South Wales Victorian guys that probably haven't seen as much of you about, but you have had quite a bit of success in the past on the mare that we spoke about earlier on Swift and. Exactly. Um, what did, I know you won at Paradise, but what did you end up winning on that mare? You won a couple of big ones there, didn't you? Yeah, I won. Um, oh, I think it was. Uh, what they call it now? Um, it was the like there was the big open at Paradise, and there was always two opens there. Um, so yeah, I won the smaller open on it twice there. So it was yeah, back in prior, the day. Prior, prior DDP, wasn't it? Uh, I think it was. But yeah, there was back in the day when I was going, there was sort of seven, eight hundred in those opens, and um, I think I won it in 2011 on her, and um, I think I had to run off of Mac Shan that year, and um, yeah, I come out on top of Mackie. Yeah, and then went back the next year, never, never even thought about winning on her again, and um, yeah, come final day, I was up there on her, and and. Um, Another win on her, and I think won the champions on her there that year. And um, it would have been 2014, um, I mean 2013. Kerry, Kerry won the ladies on her there, 
when she was pregnant with Rose. Um, so, yeah, I think she was not very pregnant. But, yeah, so she's had a bit of success there, that mare. Um, remember the first year I took her there, she finally in, finally in both opens, I think, as a four- or five-year-old. And um, bloke offered me... Um, um, bloke offered me ten thousand dollars for her when the first year out of there, and I was only allowed about nineteen. And I thought ten thousand dollars be pretty handy, but um, <laughs> yeah, I just started going out with Carrie, and she told me I couldn't sell her, so, so yeah. she took her home that year. Never allowed to have her back after that. <laughs> so what what ended up happening to that mare? Ah, uh, Kylie. Yeah, we drafted her until we retired her when she was about. 15 or something, we won a whole bunch on her after, you know, in the meantime and that. Um, and we were, we had her down south. Um, she was retired and we, we got we got an embryo out of her, um, an acres embryo, um, and she was to be bred to metallic cut. She collect, um, she collect down there and we run, raced, I was on my way down to pick her up actually and got her there early that morning and raced her down to Tamworth to the vets there and and um, we operated on her and took a heap of bowel out but yeah it was took some out and joined it back but it didn't work and yeah we had to put it down while I was down there it was pretty sad old time but and then oh, it wasn't long after that we got word that um, the one embryo we still didn't have we had out of her it um, the recip slipped it too so yeah. but um we done a bit of a rare thing when she died. We took her ovaries out. We tried to take the egg up where you could do your lingus IVF or something. We tried that, but it didn't work neither. So, um, yeah, we, we thought, well, we probably spend a lot of money on it in the future trying to get more foals. So we threw a bit of money at that as a last grasp, but it didn't work neither. So only done, ended up with two two foals out of a one more Playboy girl. Uh, he wasn't, we kept him for a cult for a good while. And, we cut him, and I've still got the acres one out of us. So yeah, I really like him. So yeah. Yeah. Having stains, it is a hard game, as we've spoken all about it. But sometimes I know we've we've been through it with some of with Ben's good mare as well. And sometimes you just sort of look at them and you think, look, if you just make a good girl out of them, you just have a good horse. And and sometimes it's just the easiest way to go, and and you don't have all the worries of the stallion and and that sort of thing. So is that what you've ended up doing with your one more playboy fella? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we cut him and um, simply because we didn't want two colts and um, we liked the acres fella better. And we actually sold the sold the playboy fella the other day, Libby Ingram from, from Sky, a place out between Alpha and, and Tambo. She bought him and, and I think her son, he's, I think he's about 13 or 14. She sent us a video of him cutting out on him there the other day and our horse, he slowed down to the to him and the kid just loves him. So he went to a really good home and um, yeah. gets rugged and fed and all the pampering. So he, it was good to see him go, to, go out there. Yeah. Yeah. Back on the camp up, dying up there in the bloody north, you get some stiff competition up there. It eh? doesn't matter which way you look, you get to... Commission boys and Rowan Marks and Ben Hall and uh, look, I don't mean to not drop name, but tough camp drafting up there in any any draft. When you go and what what are you sort of like drafting? Which is your big draft? So you like to go to? Oh, we like going west, Ben. Um, it doesn't seem to be the run restrictions out west there, um, they're, they're slowly coming, don't worry, and they'll, they'll get moved in out there, the same as they are in the central here. But we like going west. It's, it's good atmosphere. Um, there's always plenty for the kids to do out there. There's horse sports and minis and all the rest of it. Um, and it's just good. Like, we do plenty around home here too, and I like going south to the big ones. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, I'm saying with everyone, we've got our favourite ones we go back to every year. But, I was kind of like to try and do, you know, we always do half a dozen of our favourite ones and try and do some different ones, you know. Like I went um, last year, I went, uh, I'd done a run through the Territory and WA and always wanted to do it and always been too busy flying helicopters and committed to a job and all the rest of it. And um, so I took a month off and, and um, went up there and it was a good trip. I'd, I'd be back there this year, but... Um, She's all no show this year, but 
Um, yeah, I plan on going back up there again for another trip. Yeah, Sam, Sam reckon you want to sharpen your spurs if you're coming back there again next year, you reckon? <laughs> the big fella's got horses prime ready to beat me. <laughs> yeah, that's a good trip, though, isn't it? Like, besides the campcraft and that trip over the west and you leave Catherine and you head down to the Vic River and through Cunningar and over to Halls Creek, like, it's, it's nice driving over there, eh? Yeah, it is. It's beautiful, Ben. Um, it's pretty dry there when I was there, but I'd yeah. like to see it all when it's good, you know, all, all you know, waterfalls and pretty yeah. country. Um, yeah, I, and yeah, it was just good. Good people met a whole bunch of fellas. Um, yeah, won a bit of money, paid for the trip, so it was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That always helps. It does yeah. <laughs> What about for the future, Zane? Uh, well, obviously we're all staying staying still at the moment, but you know, looking towards next year, you guys going to come back down to the nutrient sale with sale horses or competing? What's your sort of thoughts there? Yeah, we'll be back down there, Paxton. Um, more to Gowling to come back for the for the incentive. Um, we'll have a few sale ones. Don't quite know what yet. We've got a couple of conmans and few different things here we'll we'll see what we bring back down but yeah we'll be back i think when the old camp draft deal kicks in she's going to be going to be a big weekend the first one we'll get to for the finals they're um due to run late september i think i just see on facebook there'll be a few people letting their hair down having a few beers and and um there'll be record nominations i'd reckon so yeah yeah, for sure. Well, I did see actually two Willinga Park posted the other day that they might be running towards the end of the year. So, um, yeah, it's good to see everyone's rallying back around and I guess everyone's just scrambling to get a date in at the moment. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I haven't made it to Willinga yet, but there's a whole, oh, there's three of us, three of us all going to have a boys' weekend and go down, leave all the girls at home and head to Willinga. So I suppose we'll, we'll still do that when it's all back on. <laughs> Uh, uh, I wouldn't have let that slip out. I would have kept that to myself, that one. <laughs> uh, always a good trip then, eh, when the boys get together, I reckon. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Fair enough. We might just leave it all there, hey? Yeah, no, I think that, <laughs> I think you've covered everything, Zane. <laughs> we won't get you in any more trouble. And, um, <laughs> no, thanks for doing this, mate. It's been good catching up with you and... Um, yeah, good luck with the COVID camp drafting. I'm sure it'll be great success. And, yeah, good on you all for doing that. I think it's going to be really good fun. Yeah, no worries, Paxton. Um, see how we go. It's all a bit of fun. And, yeah, yeah sort of keep us all in the loop a bit. Everyone get keep riding a few horses and get them going for when we all get back into it, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. And um, th- thanks, Ben, for jumping on the line and, no and worries, giving us mate. your thoughts, mate. It's always yeah. good to hear from you. All right, well, stay safe up there, eh? And keep everybody don't hit the ground too hard. So we'll see you when we see you. I look forward to seeing your video on COVID camp drafting again. <laughs> yeah, well, well, the only thing is, aren't you Facebook mob not allowed to judge them, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I want Bill Bright to judge Ben yeah. and Sam Tap. Sam Tap and Bill Bright. It doesn't matter. You can judge me anyway, as long as you say, oh, great eye appeal. Then. <laughs> very good righto guys well thanks guys for listening in to that interview with Zane Haberman and also co-hosted with Ben Tapp and Kylie Barnett had a good lot of fun doing that interview always great to catch up with those guys found it really interesting talking to Zane about that mare line that particular mare line that he has that um, we certainly saw dominate in the open camp draft this year down at the Nutrient Classic on his two mares, uh, Mississippi Swift and Cat Swift, they certainly were forces to be reckoned with. And it was just interesting finding out that sort of story and backline and where they've come from. But yeah, it was certainly great to catch up with you, Zane. And thanks for doing this. A big shout out to you and, and definitely a big shout out to the COVID Camp Draft team and the people behind that all. We can't wait to watch it all. And yeah, so people out there, get busy, get riding, get your horses tuned up and get those videos sent into the COVID Camp Drafting. We can't wait to watch them all and good luck with it all and I think it's just going to be a great bunch of fun. Alrighto guys, that's going to wrap us up for this week's episode. We sure hope you enjoyed that. Be sure to stay safe and ride hard and we'll catch you next week.
Just a Billy Settle from the Bulls and the Bronx He was standing at the edge of the bar The first thing she noticed was his competition buckle As he picks up his guitar Her gaze went all the way from his boots to his hat As she watches him take the stage She smiles as she asks, can I wear your hat? It tips it back, there is a way He sings You wear the hat, you wear the cowboy And if you can't do that, you're gonna miss the ride If you wear the hat, you wear the cowboy You've seen everything I've seen, been everywhere I've been This hat's my pride and joy Gonna miss the ride 